Hi, I'm Neil Pretorius, CEO of Diodi Gold. We're based in South Africa, listed in Johannesburg and on the New York Stock Exchange. And um, we're involved in the retreatment of mine waste. Uh, we we're a gold producer. Yeah, good to see you. When did we see you? We saw you back in September. Uh, we're also a slightly different place, getting back to, back to normal. Are you well over there in South Africa? Yes, yes, we are. I think the only reminder, um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be healthy, and, and most of us in South Africa are, we've come through the pandemic quite well, I believe. Uh, the reminder is wearing masks in public, but other than that, the fact that we can't go to sport events yet, um, life is pretty much um, back to normal. Good, good, good. Well, like, I um, wanted to catch up with you, as we do, we, we, we talk every six months and um, enjoy these conversations, but um, I want to talk to you about growth, okay? Because, you know, you, 2021 was a sort of sideways year. It kind of came off a kind of stellar 2020. Um, how are you going to get back to those highs of 2020? Look, I think in terms of production, um, we are in the near term investing in maintaining production run rates. That, that's for the foreseeable 12 to 18 months. But, but over and above that, we're also wanting to optimize our existing portfolio. And in the far west in particular, that's the new project that we acquired from Sabanya Sawwater. There we actually want to up uh, throughput. So, so there you'll have a bit of uh, um, internal growth through just the expansion of infrastructure, etc. In terms of external growth, we still very, very determined to leverage our relationship with Sabanya Stillwater and to move into the PGM space. Uh, and we're having the right conversations with them in that regard. And then we're also being encouraged by Sabanya Stillwater to also look outside of the group. Um, and, and we've stated uh, in alignment with their stated strategy that, that we want to also get involved in the battery metal space. We think we're at the start of a very long cycle. The world's determined to move away from dirty energy into sustainable, renewable energy. And we think we can play a role. And we think we're extremely well positioned in that regard too, because we've developed the ability to retreat mine waste. Uh, we understand the logistics. We understand the setup of plants, the management systems, and so forth. The metallurgical aspects, those are skills that one can bring into the group. And just gauging where the world's um, position is on new mines and mining itself. On the one hand, there's, there's this requirement, almost a demand, that we've got to develop into the the green energy space, but that's going to require a, a whole lot of new metals. On the other hand, you have this almost fierce resistance against mining. So we're going to find these minerals. We're going to find these products. A lot of that, from our perspective, is already stockpiled across the globe, and and we might be able to uh, to get uh, an early advantage on on securing some of those and and mining these minerals from mine waste, not producing additional waste in the process. Right, so, so, so there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a long answer, because there's a few, bits, a few bits I wanna get into, and I need to understand as an investor, or a potential investor into this, which is, right, so you, you process mine waste, you extract minerals, uh, those minerals have a value, and um, you then kind of remediate the, 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 the tailings as well, right? So there's a kind of make money, and then there's a do good, bit to it, right? And I think you, it's fair to say, I think the accusation being thrown at your company is a little, a little bit too much focused on the do good bit. Um, and I think investors want you to explain exactly, precisely how you do the make money bit. So processing gold at the moment, you've been having the PGM conversation with Sibanye for a while. I think 
some sense of what the timing of that could be would be would, would be good news. And the second bit you mentioned there is can we get into and you'd be encouraged to get into the battery metal space, can your technology deliver that? So maybe you could sort of talk about all of those things. Certainly. Look, the, the term or the words do good are not words that I ever use in describing what we do. I prefer the term sustainability because I believe that uh, social sustainability and environmental sustainability are essential requirements for a successful business or a sustainable business, hence uh, the word sustainable development. And we committed to sustainable development the way that Paul Pullman describes it and, and the various capitals and the overlay and integration and so forth. We, we've subscribed to that notion now for, for quite a long period of time. I always thought that ESG sort of emerged out of sustainable development and it's actually not, not the case. I think ESG are just components of sustainable, sustainable development that are now receiving more attention from the investment market for all the right reasons. So, so this is not foreign territory for us. Um, so, so when it comes to the social sustainability aspect of our business and the environmental sustainability aspect of our business, I think one of the key differentiators between ourselves and those that are joining the parade, the ESG parade, is that I think that in, in the Audi Gold, Social and environmental sustainability are, are integrated uh, in, the, in the business model. Um, and, and let me explain from an environmental side. So, so clearly, the reduction of the use of potable water is a, a nature capital aspect or capital stock. Um, we do not use a lot of potable water. In fact, this year, again, we reduced our potable water usage by almost 10%. We make use mostly of recycled water. But what it does is we didn't go and spend a fortune because we don't want to use potable water for the sake of not using potable water. We set up infrastructure uh, because we were managing the business towards a very specific risk, namely the availability of sufficient water to keep our system going. So there's a risk element to it. The recycled water that we use is a lot cheaper than potable water. And there's the aspect of the environmental dividend as well. So I believe that this is really what's envisaged in terms of sustainable development, to have an integrated value proposition. And the same applies to a whole host of other things. We're now moving into the, the solar power sp uh, space, um, which makes a lot of sense now with the technology having, development, having developed to the point where, where it has, where it's more reliable, it's more resilient, more robust, um, more available, and also now finally cheaper uh, than what... Um, fossil fuel energy costs us in, in South Africa. So there's the environmental aspect, the carbon footprint aspect of it. There's the quality of supply and the reliability of supply, and importantly, also the cost of supply. That, I believe, is if you, if you truly understand sustainable development, that is what an integrated value model looks like. And this is what one should pursue. And this is where you also then differentiate, because we're not chasing off in a direction, you know, investing a fortune, other material, other equipment's becoming redundant overnight. You've got these big balance sheet write-offs, et cetera, et cetera. We've aligned it and we've integrated it fully to make sure that an investment in the one is also an investment in the other and that you have a value emerging or value growth, value unlock in respect of all of those elements. Um, and, and if you don't, you know, if, if you run it sort of as a separate portfolio, it's always going to be somewhat disconnected unless you have a very strong conductor who can pull these things across. If you integrate it into your business model, into your business plan, and you implement through the line, then it becomes fully integrated in the long term where you almost coincidentally, it almost seems like a coincidence where the value here 
also resonate somewhere else in some of the other capital stocks. It's, it's interesting. There's been a few white papers coming out, and I'm happy to send you them, um, talking about ESG actually being ineffective. It's it's a buzzword. It's a frame framework which funds are using under pressure from activists and others uh, to try and do better. I think the intent is good, but the delivery is, is not. And in fact, it's a, it's a, it's a cost to the company. So you, what, what you're saying is you're starting from the position of how do we be more efficient whilst, and I'm going to use the phrase, doing it, doing it, doing good, doing, doing it better than industry currently does it. That's what I'm hearing. I believe it's an essential component for a successful business. Right. That if you if you're environmentally insensitive, you break the planet um, whilst producing your product. Your business not sustainable, it will fail. You will you won't see its its full potential. The same applies. I think that there are compelling commercial arguments for each one of those capital stocks, including social, including social. And that's always been my that's always been my uh, my approach. You know, if, if you think that you're going to solve all of society's problems, if that is your social agenda. You're going to get confused, you're going to get distracted, and you'll have zero focus. If you investigate, and I think that's where a lot of people joining the ESG parade, that's where they sort of losing um, uh, lo- losing the plot because they, they're listening to external advisors and looking at generic models which they think they can implement. It's not a one-size-fits-all sort of uh, scenario. The the requirement, the, the the need is just too enormous. It's too overwhelming to think that you're going to be solving all of those. So we, we're approaching it from a different perspective. We're looking at, so what are the needs? What are, which of those needs can we deliver into after consultation? Because you're sure you can't show up and say that we, we have a solution to all of your problems. You do have to consult. Um, not doing it, I think, is an insult to, the, to the, the communities that you want to get involved in. And then you have to design your, your social capital investment plans in accordance to your capacity where you can have the largest impact uh, at, the, at, at, at the lowest cost. Because you, you, this can't be a stretch. This can't be a burden on your balance sheet. Ultimately, you're still a business and all of these things need to get funded. And then you've got to look at innovative ways also of funding it. Now, I can, in a very short uh, few, you know, a very short paragraph, I can explain to you how we, we're approaching this in terms of, of social development. So our focus, because of the areas where we are operating in, our focus have been um, improving the quality of life of those living in and, and around our operations. So one of the things where it integrates with one of the other capitals was just the quality of the environment. So dust suppression off our workplace and off our tailing storage facilities, that was a major issue. There's an environmental impact as well as a social impact. You know, as I say, once again, there's that word integration. The second one was poverty alleviation. A lot of the programs that are being pitched at many of these communities start sort of four or five levels up. It assumes a level of uh, of uh, financial literacy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We said, well, why don't we get you sort of out of abject poverty first and assist you to do that sustainably? So if we're no longer around, then you could you could do that. And then quite a big focus also on the part of, of youth education. We can't build schools. We're too small and we have a footprint in excess of 60 kilometers, but we can appoint teachers. We can employ teachers and they can go and teach maths and science at some of these schools by way of extra classes. So that was our focus area right from the outset. There's a very uh, dynamic program, I think, that's been developed out of that, out of the network that's been developed now over time. And we can have another conversation about that a little bit later, 41 programs that we want to reduce, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the funding, and this is where the differentiator comes in, you invest in the Gold because of the dividend and the fact that 
there's capital growth associated with the mining of gold or the extraction of gold out of tailings. We have a large property footprint, but you're not buying the stock. It's not part of our value proposition, the fact that we have this property portfolio. And we've been selling off redundant properties, and some of that money has been channeled into these social programs. So we can say to the investor market, the social investments that we're making, the social capital that we're generating, our social dividend is uh, not coming out of, it's not diluting your legitimate expectation in terms of gold earnings, in terms of gold revenues. So we're doing these things at the same time, stabilizing the environment within which we are operating, because you cannot operate a business in an unstable social environment as well. And people who are destitute, who are poor, who are hungry, they get angry. And they turn their anger onto you know, those entities that don't share their plight. And we just happen to be right there. So and that's where the compelling commercial argument comes in. You invest in social stability and the environment within which you do business is just so much better and sustainable. Sustainability comes in there as well. So this is, this is the business case for wanting to do this. And the differentiator is it's not costing you, shareholder, any money or a disproportionate dilution of earnings. Okay. Lots of other people have far more fancy programs. They've got bigger bands, uh, bigger banners. You know, they at the head of the parade and so forth. We're not there, but um, I think ours is sustainable. It has durability. Right. We need to take this conversation back into investing, right? Because although you've laid out a good commercial reason why um, you should do these things, and it's not costing shareholders. Well, it is de minimis, right? Um, we've got to get back to the commercial bit. So, you know, as a South African company on, on the uh, Johannesburg Stock Exchange, these are all very commendable. Your New York shareholders or your North American shareholders are going to be, quite frankly, less interested. And they're going to point to this, the shares have moved. Side. I'm going to take 2020 out of it. We had a conversation last time. 2020 was a bit of an aberration since everyone was, was the beneficiary of it. And you've come back down to your regular levels, right? And people want to see that share price move. So we've got to come back to this growth story. And the growth story is going to be generated off the back of some of the things you mentioned earlier um, about you know, in, increasing volumes through the company. And some of the ways you talked about that were obviously um, you know, processing your own gold tailings more efficiently to um, their relationship with Sabanier and uh, discussions on PGMs, which have not advanced materially as far as the public is concerned. And we want to know what's happening with that. And then obviously battery metals as well. So can, can you just talk to us maybe, because I want to I want to get in the growth bit because you're doing wonderful things like, yeah. you know, dividends and um and, and, and so forth, but and, and we've talked in the past about how efficient you are because you're talking, you know, the, the, the gold uh, tailings are, you know, very, very low quantities. You need to be as efficient as possible. So I think that we'll take that as red, but talk to me about increasing the volume or throughput of the gold tailings first and then give me PGMs and, and batch mills if you can, please. Okay, certainly. Look, if there's time, I'd like to circle back to the value proposition to New York shareholder at some point because it's just a case of how much taxes do you pay and how efficient your business because of the socioeconomic environment within which you operate. Um, and, and the numbers are there. Uh, you know, we, we can talk to those numbers in, in terms of, of increasing volume throughput. So, so our business, particularly uh, the, 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 the uh, operation uh, to the south of Johannesburg, the Ergo operation, it is a, a large volume throughput, uh, uh, almost nano extraction or low grade uh, operation and and the grades that the, the mix that we've always had access to up until now 
uh, has been a healthy mix of mostly lower grade tailings and a very small component, like a sprinkle of salt component of higher grade coarser material. Now the coarser material, the availability of coarser material is diminished. We've mined through a lot of those. As a consequence of which we're more reliant on the, the lower grade slimes material. In order to maintain economies of scale, we have to up the volume throughput because it's a rand per ton game. We have to up the volume throughput and we have to focus even more on extraction efficiency. Now, at the moment, admittedly, the footprint is a complex footprint. We have about 15 uh, different sites where we're operating, half of which are really cleanup sites where there's quite a bit of stockpiling taking place. And that's adding to the costs. But we can do that now because it's part of the business plan uh, because of the gold price environment within which we find ourselves and the sort of margins that we are managing to maintain in the current gold price environment. So we can do it because it has to get done. And if it has to get done, you might as well get it done as quickly as possible. You might as well get it done now. It's not without value. It's mostly in the form of stockpiling. It will find its way into the plant, but it's finding its way into the, into the, uh, uh, into the cost, operating costs at the moment. Now, the transition that's taking place, and this is now towards the higher volume throughput uh, point that you make, the transition that's taking place is that uh, in about two, three years, or uh, systematically, the number of sites will, will diminish, will decrease as closure takes place. Also, some of the smaller sites get depleted. And we will be focusing on three, maybe four uh, larger sites, consisting mostly of slides. Now, to get the stuff to the plant already is costing quite a bit less. So you can restore some of the margin there. By upping the volume, you're diluting your cost per tonne. So that too contributes towards margin. And then of course, it's the whole issue of, uh, and that, that's the future st strategy that we're working on. It's the whole issue of, of better extraction efficiencies. You also have to put it somewhere, uh, namely your tailings dam. So a lot of the capital that we set aside this year and the guidance that we gave on capital is about 600 million grand. So a lot of the CapEx this year is going into storage facility upgrades and ex extending the, the capacity of those storage facilities. That is in terms of ergo. The second uh, internal growth story or, uh, uh, is always gold operations. There we started off uh, on a very small site and we're only doing 500,000 tons a month. And we've been telling the market that that site is intended to become uh, 1.2, potentially a 1.6 ton a month million ton a month site. And, and that, that phase is being pursued at the moment. We've completed the, uh, the feasibility. We've decided to challenge the Department of uh, Water and Sanitation on one of the design requirements that they have for our tailings facility. So there's an interim phase that's being envisaged, but that interim phase will include a doubling of the volume throughput of this particular operation. Now, by doubling its throughput, we're now putting ourselves in a position where we can start creating a better blend a more healthy or sustainable blend going forward, enabling us to mine the entire resource. We're mining a two, you know, a small high-grade resource at the moment. We want to blend that with the rest of the lower grades so that we can mine the entire thing. You want to have a flat line in terms of head grade. You don't want to have a very high head grade initially and for it to deplete over time, and then you're stuck with the rubbish right at the end. You want to blend this so that you can mine the entire thing. And um, uh, so there will be probably about a 20, maybe 25% increase in total gold that's produced. Uh, but that's because of the, it's a function of, of the blend. It, it, uh, 
Uh, it is the uh, the fact that some of the lower grades material will find its way into that as well. So that that's the medium term plan for for the far west gold operations. But but but, but, so, so, but, but, but give, give, give me some numbers that people can remember and take okay. away and go. Here's where we are, are at now. This is what we're aiming to to be able to produce. What what, what does that look like? Okay, are you we so talking about a marginal gold. increase or are we talking about doubling it? Yeah, so, no. So far west gold uh, at the moment five hundred thousand tons of material per month that's getting treated. The interim phase is a doubling of volume and between a 20 and 25% increase in production. And the intention is to have that in place within the next 24 to 36 months, right. the increase in, in volume throughput. Right. And and, and, and just how, because obviously you, you've given guidance of 2022, somewhere between 160,000, 180,000, right? So that, that's the kind of, that's the kind of steady, steady state. So you, you what seems to be the steady state. When do, when does this all start hitting the bottom line? The, the increase in volume throughput, once once the plant's been increased in size. Right. So the, the guidance that you're seeing now uh, is, is pretty much, I think, what we would be able to continue to guide until such time as we've done the volume throughput increase. So what's the timing? What are we looking at? Uh, well, you know, we, I mean, we, we want to start, we want to start work on this. Uh, in, in terms of the, in terms of the, uh, the second phase for Far West Gold. I mean, the, the idea was to start construction on a, a very large tailings dam this year. Uh, because we're challenging the Department of Water and Sanitation on the design, that's not going to happen. Um, so, so we're looking at just how can we stretch the existing deposition capacity that we have to give us a five to eight year uh, breather before we do have to start that construction. And, uh, and I think once we've, we've bedded that down, we can start planning and work also on the on the interim phase of of uh, uh, doubling the the plant capacity, but we won't start construction this year. But I would be I would be very surprised if we do not start construction during the course of 2023 in terms of the interim phase. Look, in the meantime, there are all sorts of upgrades. You know, we've we've completed the closed circuit mill at Far West Gold. We've done the, uh, the the new thickener and so forth. So so there's an ongoing process of of continuous improvement, but in terms of the next phase of actually implementing the the the, the volume throughput upgrade, I think that is 2023's uh, uh, agenda. Okay. Certainly, in terms of, of capital votes, you know, there hasn't been any capital vote allocation in this year for the volume increase, other than the work that's being done towards the design of the tailings facility. Right, and and so just in terms of you know how how do you tell which is great, and we've got a better understanding of the timing and, and, and the quantum that you're aiming for. The timelines are quite, feel quite, quite long, will feel quite long to a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of investors, shareholders, et cetera. Um, what are, what are the kind of, are there quick wins in, in here? Because, you know, you're in danger. Of, of being one of those companies which, you know, whilst, and I'm going to keep using this phrase, do good, because I think it's a really good thing to say, it, you know, more companies need to do good, um, is, and I appreciate your more fulsome explanation, but um, it, you're re remediating all of this land package and you're putting it to good use, et cetera, but the, the money you're producing at the moment, there's some dividends coming out. Equity is not really m m moving um, in, in a way which is a tr is attractive to to new investors, and but the money mm. that you are producing seems to be going back in the ground, right? And that, that's the danger when when companies reach a certain 
stage. So this, this is why I keep hammering on about this growth component and, and trying to under, understand it. So I guess the question is, are there some short-term wins that people could get excited about? Or is it, you know, the, 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 the bane of most big companies um, um, is, is, is to continue being able to tell a growth story once it kind of hits a certain level. You, you know, they, they do start to plateau. So what encouragement can you give me on, on, on the growth mm. story front? No, look, I, I think the, in, in, in the short term, there's certainly no, you know, there are no sort of big gains to be, to be made in the short term. I think the, the priority for us uh, for the short to medium term is to make sure that we can maintain production uh, run rate. Uh, that we contain our costs. The um, we've got just over two billion rand in, in in the bank, which will go into these capital pro, uh, projects. So you know there won't be a disproportionate dilution of shareholder equity uh, in order to implement these these projects. And I think we the balance sheet is such that we'd also be able to to fund a big chunk of that with uh, with, with with debt, um, so that we can avoid uh, as I say disproportionate dilution. Uh, of uh, of shareholders' expectation of, of earnings, um, the the way that we're looking at at the second phase of Far West um, in terms of uh, when do we implement and what do we implement, the feasibility study that we did was as ambition as ambitious as this environment could allow, considering not only our only resource uh, our own resource but also uh, tailings that are available in that area which are probably sterilized because nobody else has a tailings facility or will have a tailings facility large enough to accommodate all of this material. So it is a, it's an ambitious, extensive plan. But, and maybe this is a, a part of our, our legacy, uh, just the way that we, that we learn how to think about expansion and investment and so forth. Although we plan as big as we can, we do implement, I think, incrementally and responsibly. We don't take on more than what we can, we don't bite off more than what we can chew at that point in time and for the foreseeable future. So if you're looking for share price excitement, in terms of the uh, production profile that we're maintaining now and that we are likely to maintain for the foreseeable future, let's say, you know, this financial year as well as the next financial year, there's nothing there that's going to uh, move the share price unless, you know, more confidence in the model you know, might move the share price. So, so this is a stock which will respond to movements in the gold price, not to what we're doing operationally. And what we're doing operationally has probably been factored in. And look, gold equities are probably at the moment a little bit undervalued, but I'm not sure that that is a reflection of the quality of the companies. Uh, I think that's more of a reflection of where gold sentiment is. Uh, the the, 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 uh, we hit the hypes of, of 2020 when, when it looked like gold was just you know, never going to stop. It went through $2,000 and was never going to stop. So maybe gold was a little bit overbought at the time, gold equities. Now we're at a point where the market is saying, oh, what's gold going to do? It's gone flat. Uh, m- maybe it's going to uh, reduce in value. You know, maybe it's been replaced by some of these di- digital currencies, et cetera, et cetera. We're encouraged by the fact that it found support at roughly $1,700. So we're comfortable with the gold price where it currently is, and it's helping us to maintain margin and also invest the capex that we that we want to invest. But as I said, the production that we uh, that we uh, guiding at the moment, the performance of the business, it's unlikely to to move the the share price if everything else stays the same. It's going to move the share price as a change in sentiment, 
internationally in terms of where the gold price is going to go. That's gold. So, but, but, but let's, 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 I'm just kind of conscious of your, your, your time here. So let, let's come back to that PG, PGM question with Sabania. There are conversations ongoing, right? And I, I guess the big question we keep being asked or people sent in, which is what's the timing on on that, you know, how are conversations advancing? Or have, are you technically capable of taking advantage of, of those conversations? Um, should Sabanye, you know, gift you or give you or however they want to work with you uh, some yeah. PGM tailings? Yeah, no, look, um, I think a smart deal, the, the Far West Gold deal was a smart deal from a Sabanye perspective in the sense that here was a, a, a balance sheet liability. Uh, of a, a latent asset not recognized by the market. It was vented into an asset that this is what they do or a company, this is what the company does. And uh, as a consequence, the market attributed value to it. So balance sheet liability, invisible uh, project resource became visible, was given a, a value and, and it was a, a very attractive value. So, so I think that's the, that's the opportunity. So is, can we do something similar? Uh, we have a good understanding of the technical aspects of the project. It took us a long time because it's a 70 kilometer strike. Now there are hundreds of millions of tons of material. Um, loads of plants. I think last count there were like four or five different plants envisaged for, for the, you know, in order to cover the, the entire resource. Various tiers, various levels of, of potential participation. So we have a very good understanding of the technical aspects of the business. What we now need to figure out, and that's a strategic discussion is, you know, what fits where the best? What's the best fit for this asset? What's the best fit for that asset? So in other words, is the contribution that this is going to make this particular asset, whether it's integrated with an underground resource, is the best contribution that it's going to make its cash flow potential into the treasury of the existing owner, or is there a value unlock that could be, uh, uh, that could be uh, established by vending it into a, a separate entity? And look, that conversation is going to take as long as it's going to take. But but I do think that we're in a position now where we probably start giving a bit of color on what the components are of this portfolio. Um, and and so I just saw what to take follows a simple formula: is where's the best value? And uh, it's 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 not it's not dark science. You know, the best value is there's a cash flow component, there's an ESG or an environmental component, there's a uh, uh, an equity component. There's a market appetite component. You know, what's going to happen to DRD Gold if all of a sudden it's no longer just a pure gold play? What are the index funds going to do? Because a lot of our liquidity is in there. We need to have these conversations because I think this is a responsible thing to have these conversations. And then we decide, so what's the, the right sort of combination? That's interesting. Obviously, if it's a 50.1% shareholder, the equity bit is meaningful to them. Um, so is, is, is part of the conversation about well, spinning out the technology into another operating entity, public or private, to deal with the PGMs, if, if that was still on the table? No, 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 no. no. It's, I, think it's, I think it's, you know, is there meaningful value that could be potentially unlocked by moving it into DRD? Or is it best where, it, where it's currently being envisaged? Right. And if we were to develop this, this project here, is the value in its cash flow contribution towards the, the particular operation, or is the best value the cash flow? It's because the cash flow either goes straight into the operation or it follows the corporate loop. It goes 
into DRD and then the dividend back out. But, but then there's a, a measure of dilution. So it's what is it that we think uh, adds the most value at this point in time? Is it cash flow where it is or a, a relative dilution of cash flow but the equity uplift. Right. So, so the conversation will take as long as the conversation takes, but the, the prize is big if, if you, if, if you come to some sort of agreement. Uh, we, now, they've also said to you, we encourage you to go look outside of the Sabanye, uh, portfolio and group. Um, have you started conversations outside? We started looking, uh, and we, and we're looking hard and we're looking wide. Uh, there's nothing at this stage which we can, which we can announce, which we can, uh, bring into the market and say, we're having this conversation of that conversation. It's progressed to a particular point, but yes, we are. And then I mean, we're on record as saying that Sabanya is committed to the battery metal space and we want to follow them there. Um, but would you and, follow uh, them abroad? Yes. Yeah. If, if the value is there, obviously, uh, you know, you, um, I don't, I don't really like the term strategic value. Um, but we, we have a, we have a, a measure of what value is. Does it add to, Earnings per share? Does it add to cash flow per share? Because we've been paying dividends for 15 years and we want to keep on paying dividends hopefully for, for, for another 15 years. So uh, um, it's, it's a very important component. Is there such a thing as a growth dividend? Maybe, maybe not. You know, what is the sacrifice in terms of maybe diluting the, the profile of, a, of a, a gold producer only? Is, will that be substituted by the growth dividend? The, the, these are, are complex uh, issues of which I have limited understanding, but, you know, we're talking to the right people and they're guiding us through this. I, I personally do believe, though, that a good place to be in, a good five years from now, a good place to be in for, for DRD or DRD Gold, as it's currently called, would be to be a, well, we are the largest producer of surface datings, but to, to maybe have achieved a measure of consolidation of retreatment of gold tailings in South Africa uh, to be sort of on its way to a three million Ton a, ton a month uh, throughput capacity uh, to at the same time also have established a compelling and equally uh, large or more or less in that range uh, surface PGM, PGM and, and, and Chrome portfolio to maybe have moved into you know, some of the battery metals like, like copper. I mean, there, there seems to be some good opportunities in that regard. There are huge copper dumps scattered across the globe, some of those in Africa. Um, you know, we may want to have a look at that. And then some of the other more subtle ones, uh, smaller operations, but uh, a broader portfolio. Um, I think we want to be a multi-product um, producer out of tailings. That may be the sort of the, um, the, the umbrella concept here is that we produce all of these metals out of tailings with all the, the additional things that, uh, that, that come with that. I think that's a, that, that's a sort of picture that's starting to, to take shape in, in our strategic image.